Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Let's get right to it. We've got another edition of our College Contender Series previewing our top 11 teams heading into this D1 men's ITA college tennis season. Crazy to think, but dual matches right around the corner. Only a couple of weeks before we will have our first battles of the season sprinkled around the country. Of course, then we'll get to kickoff weekend, and that is something all of us tennis fans can get excited for in January. Of course, here on this podcast, we're trying to help prepare all of you college tennis fans for the season by speaking with the head coaches of some of the top teams across the country. We have spoken to already the head coaches of the teams ranked 6 through 11 in our Crack Rackets preseason poll. From here on in, we think all of these top five teams are more than capable of winning a national championship. It's why we are so excited for these conversations, so excited for the home stretch, and so excited to bring to you another fantastic episode of the show. And today's guest, is a a guest that needs no introduction. He is a returning champion here on our Cracked Rackets shows. Of course, he was a national champion in his first year at the helm for the Trojan program as his team brought home the national indoor championship, knocking off the UNC Tar Heels in that match. And of course, they had so much success throughout the weekend without their number one singles player, Brandon Holt, who was battling health issues throughout the event. It was such an impressive inaugural season for Coach Mason. He brings back most of his squad. So of course, he is excited for the season. We ask him about his team, what they've done in preparation for the season, how this season has differed from seasons past, and of course, how they carry the momentum from last season into this year. It is a fun conversation. All of you listeners are going to enjoy, in particular, because Coach Macy brings some questions for us, Cracked Rackets host Chris Halioris and I, of course, on this podcast, asking Coach Macy our usual litany of questions, but he's got some heat for us as well. Very fun segment at the end. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, so make sure you stick through through the end of this episode. You will all certainly uh, enjoy this conversation, and of course, the reason we are able to have these conversations day in, day out here on our Cracked Interviews podcast, because of the support we get from you amazing listeners from our Patreon family, which by the way, if any of you would like to join without that support day in, day out, we wouldn't be able to do things like this. We wouldn't, you know, even beyond the financial help that it gives us, the fact that we know we have a support group out there who's going to support all of our, you know, I suppose all of my bad jokes, all of the things we want to try and do, the deciding point, our changeover chats, our cross-court chronicles, all of the different projects we have here in the works, all made possible because of that support. And of course, this podcast is made possible because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar as well. You know the deal. Look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports, Aerobar, Crack Rackets. Go to MidwestSports.com. 
Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping and all uh, on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Duty uh, Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Of course, go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACK30 to get 30% off the only tennis-specific energy bars in the business. Uh, but with that in mind, let's get to our next edition of our College Contender Series here with a conversation of the uh, with the head coach of the number five team in our Crack Rackets preseason rankings the USC Trojans, and of course, this conversation with the one and only head coach, Brett Macy. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us now on the Cracked Interviews podcast, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. You may know him as the head coach of the National Indoor Championship winning USC men's tennis team. I know him as the man who probably gets more inside information about our Cracked Rackets going on than any other coach in the country. It's Brett Macy. Coach, welcome back to the show. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, boys. How are you, how are you guys doing? We are doing well. Normally, it's we go to a coach for information. We turn to them for some inside scoop. I feel like Chris has told you all about our process at this point. So, you know, your team comes in at number five in our preseason rankings. That's got to either be a boost or that morning motivation you need as you're driving into USC. Well, let's just say practice is going to be very tough today and these guys are gonna be are gonna be really happy that i told them this because now their chip is right back on their shoulder (laughs) in the end coach that's all we're trying to do we're trying to give you that extra chip on the shoulder get the guys going because obviously uh i'm sure you feel it a little bit i'm sure usc fans across the country feel it a little bit you guys got robbed out of a 2020 season that was going so well and i'm sure that's probably the place we have to start today the fact that you bring back a national indoor championship winning team you bring back pretty much everyone uh except for brandon holt at the top of your lineup and we'll get to that in a second but just in general these past nine months what's it been like for your team what was it like to have to tell them hey guys i i'm so sorry but we don't have a 2020 season anymore yeah i mean that was a uh, a tough moment talking to those guys on march 13th you know we had just canceled our match against ucla uh pac-12 had suspended play then like an hour and a half later you you're going in and telling them that you know you're going home uh pack up your bags and everybody's like trying to get an extra grip some rat you know <laughs> maybe a, some string we're sending them on their way to, for the foreseeable future and who knew that it was going to take until december of this year you know whatever 10 days ago to get them back onto campus i mean that was i never thought in a million years that was going to be the case um god knows my wife wishes it wasn't uh <laughs> being at home as much as i've been but it uh no i mean i guess like you said earlier the silver lining a little bit was at least we won the national indoors so at least we got that you know that championship and 
the guys were able to prove to themselves, prove to you, more importantly, that <laughs> I forget what you put us at last year. It might have been seven or eight. Uh, but we, you know, we deserve to be at that top spot. And, you know, we were well on our way. You know, hopefully, who knows what happens, you know, for two more months. But we had the uh, right path going to win it all at uh, in uh, Stillwater later that year. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, look, I will say this in our preseason poll this season, the team at number five, the USC Trojans, are closer to number one than they are to number six. So I don't know if that means anything to you. It means we think there are a lot of really, don't, really good schools. Don't try to justify it, Alex. <laughs> Just don't justify it. Chris already told me that he put us at two, and you overrode it. So it's fine. <laughs> Oh, that's why we call him the snitch. It's very, very <laughs> true. Uh, but yeah, nothing you said there was wrong, coach. And I will say something I had incorrect coming into this podcast. I was talking about it with Chris before you hopped on the phone. Uh, the fact that, you know, I'm going through because obviously you bring back a team that is, you know, some of these guys in their third, fourth years. And so they've experienced college tennis. What's crazy to me, and not to say you haven't experienced college tennis, because obviously you were an assistant at USC, you were a coach at San Diego, you were a coach at Texas Tech. But it's crazy to me to think that you are only starting your second year at the helm as the USC head coach. And I'm curious for you, second year with a program, this is obviously not the script you wrote, but how have you personally adjusted to the new circumstances? What's it been like for you to try and coach these guys amidst the pandemic? Well, it's it's kind of funny. It felt like when I saw them again, you know, half of them just the other day, I was like, wow, I just got 10 new recruits again. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, you'd only really got to know him for about four or five months because I got the job in late August and I didn't step foot on campus and, you know, until they started school that, you know, that very last week of August. And then and from there, you know, you have two or three months with them in the fall and then we only had a couple months with them in the spring. And then he, again, I sent him home and now I got him back again and, and you just built whether it's through text message, whether it's through our Zoom calls, whether it's just personal phone calls with them, you know, you just, that's what you, that's what you had to do. And, you know, that's part of a, the big, the biggest part about coaching is just building trust and building relationships with your players. And so I got to get to know a lot of them on a more personal level where maybe you normally wouldn't get to spend so much time with them just in your hours that you have at the courts or around the facility. And, you know, um, we have such a close group and I think I've told you this before. I think that was our, you know, as, as uh, gifted as we are and were last year, you know, our, our number one strength was just our closeness and unity on the team. And I think that's, that was evident when we won national indoors, just given what we went through there just physically and, you know, with sicknesses and things like that, we, uh, we showed, we showed the country how close we were as a group. And I think that just still was evident this entire off season our guys stayed close. They have their own group chat. They did their own calls amongst themselves through FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever. And uh, they never lost connection with each other. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. It was so evident how close your team was throughout that run. You guys were just loose in each and every match you entered. You could tell you guys were ready to play. And that is the ultimate signal of a team uh, that has excellent camaraderie, a team that loves one another. And uh, I'm sure you got to spend plenty of time on the Zoom calls with them as well. So I got to ask a tangent here. After nine months of Zoom calls with a team that wide, you could mute one member of the team 
during these group chats moving forward. You can just be like, you are the distraction. You are the reason we get nothing done. Who are you muting in the Zoom call and why? You know, it's funny. I've listened to pretty much every one of these that you've done so far. I even just listened to the one with Roditi this morning. Um, and like he, he said himself, and I definitely did a lot of the talking. So I'm not going to say myself, though. And there, there, I, I will throw something out there that there's a lot of times I wish I could mute Chris. Quinta, just because, like, I'd be saying something and he'd just go off the rail and I'd just be like, Chris, like, what are you doing right now? Just be quiet. Like, just like he'd, he'd go off on some sort of tangent the guys are looking over at him like you could see their faces and it was more it was just more difficult just getting him on the screen than anything as well so you know we had our technical difficulties but yeah i would i would definitely say coach quinta uh, uh, what makes me sad right now is that i'm the coach quinta of our cracked racket zoom calls is that i'm the one they're like go on mute gruskin we don't need to hear from you right now and so <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If I had his hairline, I would be ecstatic. But that's about it uh, when it comes to Coach Quinta. Uh, no, that is obviously, I'm sure, again, very, very fun. And for you, you talk about not having the chance to see the guys on campus until now. Uh, you did have the chance, though, to see your guys out in the pro circuit or playing events here and there. I'm curious, you know, how important was it for your team? Were you stressing, even if not pro events, to get match play in this fall? Yeah, I mean, we're we're lucky in the fact of where we're located, to be honest, guys. Just in Southern California, I when this whole thing happened in the fall where we couldn't come back, I felt like if there was a school or there was a part of the country that you'd like to be in at that moment, I definitely wouldn't have felt this in Lubbock where I was like, oh, guys, just stay home, this and that. Like, I'd rather have them there. But, like, these guys all played. At, you know, they were getting to hit with either pros at Carson, you know, in and out, or they have their own private courts even through quarantine. I mean, None of these guys, I think, went more than a couple weeks at the most during that first lockdown phase. You know, they found private places that they could just – they could hit on a daily basis. Um, and that was in, like, the beginning of it. And then once tournaments started – I mean, we have tournaments down here, like, every other weekend or every weekend. And, you know, a few of the guys, you know, like our international boys, I mean, Moore and Daniel, they were playing a tournament every week in, over in Israel. And – Lodewick, he was playing in Europe, and I, I, I just felt really comfortable that our guys were getting the match play that they needed. Uh, there's a few that probably could have done better, for sure, but as a whole, like, I mean, we came back, and I mean, our first week of practice, I told Chris, I was like, wow, I don't think we've ever looked this good at the beginning of a season, that's for sure, and, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty, I was pretty happy about it. So, Coach, we, we look at uh... – coming into into this year now and one of the first things obviously you know we're kind of getting the off season uh if you will just between the fall and, and the spring but the first thing we're going to have when we come back for almost everybody is this lead into uh into indoors with the kickoff weekend and then indoors and we obviously just had the draft so i guess before we get into any of the particulars just your thoughts on kind of how the how the draft went with the folks and obviously you weren't involved in any picks being, being the number one seed and the host, but your thoughts on kind of how things went down and how your region, which <clears throat> I picked correctly filled out. <laughs> that was you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought I didn't, I mean, from talking to Billy and to uh, Paul a little bit, like I knew that they had a little bit of uh, freedom to go where they wanted um, you know, obviously through all this, who knows, but 
and I've told you guys before, I mean, at any moment, you know, something could happen here in California. And we, it's funny thing is we could be all flying to central Florida and Orlando. Um, you know, that'd be the joke would be on us there, but yeah, I, I definitely could think that it was going to be more regionalized. I thought maybe it would be Pepperdine in there rather than UCF, um, and UCLA at the two seed. Um, I never really thought Stanford would come down. I mean, the funny part about that is I told Paul, I said, Hey, do you want me to get you an Airbnb? Because at the beginning of the season, we're supposed to play like the weekend before, uh, like a little hidden duel type thing down here in Southern Cal. Then the next weekend he would play us in kickoff. And then the following weekend we play our non-conference dual matches against Cal and Stanford. I was like, you just could stay down here for the month. But I, I don't think he wanted to do that obviously so he, he chose nc state and that's great i mean hopefully we can get as many you know pac-12 schools into the uh final eight as we can yeah so, so just but, i mean like the, any the region our region is going to be tough i mean getting to play the cal bears first yeah go ahead oh I, yeah i was saying coach just for the listeners that didn't know you alluded to the uh to the joke being on you potentially flying to UCF. And I, I, we probably made a couple references, but, but should anything happen, obviously between now and, and kickoff weekend, right. And, and things get to the point where you can't host at USC for County state school, whatever, right. Uh, rules or reasons, right. Uh, that, then what actually happens is the two seed being UCF becomes the host. You still get to play and you guys get to fly out there uh, to, to play as the still as the one seed, but at the at the two seeds host site. Do you think that had, you know, was there anything in 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 Roddick's mind in making the pick with that? Or was it just more, hey, this is still this is just the best option for what's on the board at this point? I'm sure there's two factors. One, he wants to play outdoors, not indoors, right? Mm -hmm. If he could. Um, I think history shows he's come out here a lot in the past. I think for kickoff weekend, he's come out last year even and the year before i think they went to ucla they had a barn burner i think last year yeah four, uh, three, uh, came yeah, down yeah four three goldberg clinched it on court four i remember watching it um <laughs> and uh yeah i think that had something to do with it as well just the option of like hey who knows we could be having them fly out to us and you know I, i'm sure that crossed john's mind he's not a dummy i know that <laughs> so <laughs> no i mean uh, you, you look at the region you guys got, it's UCF, it's UCLA, and then uh, you have Cal in there at the end. It, you said that that won't be the first matches you guys play of the year. You do have a few things for now tentatively scheduled. Yeah, we do. We're going to try to do – we're trying to play some, like, just hidden dual-type matches out in uh, – down here in L.A. with a few schools and uh, just get the guys some competition – I think that's just the biggest thing right now is just getting the guys' feet wet so that they don't have those jitters, you know, going into that weekend. I mean, you know, typically our, you know, unfor you know, unfortunately, our regional has been a little bit lighter, uh, and we've been able to get the guys, you know, a little bit of, you know, some, a little bit of a few matches there as being our testing before we go play like a Stanford Cal the next weekend and then go on to indoors. This year we're not going to have that luxury. We're going to be thrown right into the gauntlet. So. Um, you know, I think some regions are definitely even tougher than ours, but with only the top 28 teams in the country playing, everything's going to be hard, difficult. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. No, it is definitely it's a tournament unlike anything else. I will also just throw in the term hidden duel has to be my favorite in college tennis. I don't understand what's hidden about it. Can't we just tell people like, hey, we're playing a duel? Like, no, it's got to be the hidden duel match. It's a it's not a, it's not quite an actual duel match. So, uh, one of my yeah, fa- there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's a dual match, but not really, so it's hidden. Um, But, you know, talking about your guys, uh, obviously, you bring back so much talent. And last year, you you could do whatever you really wanted at six singles and probably get away with it. And this year, you bring back everyone except the number one guy in on your team, Brandon Holt. And I'm just curious what that's meant for you this offseason, what you've seen from maybe Riley, who's coming back, and the kooky monster, Daniel Kukerman, coming back as well. Uh, what, you know, they were, I, I guess to set the scene for our listeners who may not remember, throughout much of that national indoors, you know, you guys didn't have Brandon. And so it was, everyone had to step up a position. And so I'm curious how you think that experience might help your guys heading into 2021. Yeah, I think it definitely gives them a boost of confidence knowing, you know, that they've they've had to play without Brandon before. I mean, we definitely tried our best to see if Brandon would want to come back, but we're really happy for him and the fact that he's going to pursue his dreams. And I was definitely told him, I like, look, you have no wrong decision here, and I'm going to support you 100% either way. Um, I mean, look at our team that we again we have we have to come back. You got Daniel, who's a, you know probably the most mature senior in the country. You know, at age 24, he's number one in the country last year. He lost twice the entire season or three times maybe the entire year. That's incredible, you know, playing one or two in all the fall that he played. Yeah, he lost once in the fall and once in the spring. I mean, that's incredible. He was like 25 and two. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely deserving. He, he's, has, he's had his ups and downs a little bit over, you know, the course of this fall playing, you know, pro events. But I mean, it's a guy who's trying to, you know, get a degree – from you know thousands of miles away and still try to play tennis you know he's taking classes at 10 o'clock at night via zoom and then waking up the next day training all day and then going you know having to do it again at night so you know his his life is a little bit more difficult than others and you got riley smith who i think has matured more than anybody i've, I've seen in a, a six to nine month period just in the fact of you know this is a kid who probably never thought he'd get a master's degree and now he's going to be a master's in accounting you know, he's gotten a job offer at KPMG, you know, already on the books for next year. And, I mean, he just – he sees life a different way through all this because of what he's been offered and given at this point in time. So, I mean, like, things are fu- things are funny how it works out, and our two leaders, our two strongholds there are, are really going to, you know, do a lot of good for our team. And then just in the supporting cast alone – I mean, all those guys could have played at three, four, five, and six of any team in the country last year, and we've got still eight deep. I mean, in terms of that, and then we have two, you know, freshmen in terms of culture and Sean who are going to come in and be fighting for their spots too. I, I mean, I'm really excited to see what this group is going to have for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I very much agree. And you talk about Riley. I mean, certainly one of the characters in college tennis over his career. Uh, definitely has, you know, I, I agree with you, definitely has matured. Is not the same person he was when he was a freshman. I'm going to throw him under the bus here. Who was the first person that sent me some smack talk on Twitter as soon as Baylor elected to go to Ann Arbor? It was Riley Smith. And that was just delightful for me. I was like, well, I appreciate it. He's like, hey, better you guys than us. And I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. 
right, I guess. Uh, so I loved that as well. But yeah, I mean, you, you talk about Daniel. And by the way, this is why we always have an open spot for you on the show here, Coach. 26-2. and two. I think you guessed 25-2. and two. One win off. That is a man who is locked in uh, to what his team is doing. But yeah, you look at the results you guys had last year. You know, Daniel was 4-0 at the one singles position. I think he was 11-1 overall during du- dual matches. Should have been 10-2 because Styler should have chopped him in the semifinals, but we can <laughs> save that for another time. Uh, well, I guess you could respond there. But yeah, to have Daniel at one, to have Riley maybe playing that two, that three position, whatever it may be, and to have them back as a doubles team at the top of your lineup, uh, what sort of boost does that give you guys, and how important is that continuity in a season with so much uncertainty? Again, I think it's just going to be like, where are you going to go and try to win three other po- four points from us after yeah. that? I mean, you go, I mean, look, I don't know what our doubles lineup is going to be. I don't even know what our singles lineup is going to be. These guys are going to be coming in and fighting for their lives to see who plays in those first matches and it's open game. And so that's what practice is going to be so meaningful. You know, once you get fresh blood out here, I mean, look, I'll tell you what, you know, Lodo Westrade, I think was probably one of the top 10 recruits coming in you know, to the country. I mean, that kid's going to come in and try to prove something to these guys that were on the team last year. No doubt in my mind. He's a stubborn, you know, Dutch boy. That's, you know, just like a Peter Lucasen or anybody else. So, you know, the and then you got Jake Sands, who was hurt last year, never really played. That kid's going to want to, you know, get his get his shot. And you just got a stronger team, you know, in the sense of more maturity. And Stefan, you got Bradley Fry and, and Ryder Jackson, who all got a lot of, of, of match experience last year. So, you know, these kids all have a lot of, you know, positives to, to their games, and we're going to see where the chips lie when we get out there. Yeah, you talked first. Well, I guess one reaction, Coach, first is you talk about Riley getting his master's in accounting. If I'm working somewhere, and I don't know which part of the of accounting Riley's going into, but if he gets into auditing and that guy comes to my desk to audit my books, that's not a sight I want to see. <laughs> He's a big kid, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think he talked to serve 140 the other day. That was just like it was blistering. I've never seen a serve that fast live. <laughs> We're playing doubles, and Chris didn't even flinch. The ball hit the fence, and then he swung. It was it was incredible. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, you so you talk about so obviously you've got one newcomer in Lodwick coming in, uh, and uh, and obviously that's you know I'm assuming he won't uh, won't be there until you know early January, right? Uh, he comes next week, a week from today. Uh, he comes next Wednesday. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. So you get, you'll get a little work with him, but, but yeah, you, you mentioned kind of that lineup and, and I think it's, you know, it's probably in, in our estimation, obviously you're, you're the guy making those decisions, but you've got, you've got Daniel and, and Moore and Riley that are solid and you know what you're getting there and they're in all likelihood filling those top three spots. And then it's like, it seems like it's wide open uh, after that, with a whole bunch of guys uh, fighting for time, and, and Lodwick should be right in that mix, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, all these guys are – that's what's going to make practice so fun. I think that's – you know, I've heard a few of these other casts, like I said, and the, you know, the coaches are all saying how enjoyable it is at practice. Sometimes you can just throw the balls out there, and these guys are just going at it because – they want to prove to each other and, you know, prove to us that, you know, they they should be in there. And I think that's uh, the power of when you have, you know, 
that many players. It, it sucks when you have to make the lineup as a coach. No, I'm not going to lie, you know, going and telling that individual that they're not going to play that day. But, you know, I think overall it, it brings a healthiness when you have competitiveness within your program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, yeah. T- uh, you look at some of the other guys down uh, again, the guys like the Stefan Dostinich who in his first year uh, put together a really solid season. You have a guy like Ryder Jackson, who was a freshman for you last year, who now has a year of college tennis under his belt. Uh, I, I'm sure it's been tough because you don't get to see those guys on court these past nine months as much as usual. But how do you expect those guys to you know, continue into their college career? Should we expect a big jump from them this season? Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty pleased, like, with everybody. But, like, with those two in particularly, you know, Steph has been able to train over Carson pretty much every day during this pandemic. And right now he spent the last two weeks training with Taylor Fritz, Brandon Holt, um, you know, Zach Zavja, and a few of these other guys. And, I mean, I'm hearing great things from the coaches over there and from, you know, Steph that he's been – I mean, he's been doing pretty – you know – battling all those guys and putting in, you know, making them have to sweat a little bit. So I expect some good things from that boy uh, in particularly just because, I mean, I think everybody saw him last year. The guy's got a different gear to him when he really brings it. I mean, when he took what he did to Cernoch was pretty incredible, um, you know, especially after kind of having a struggling match against your boys there at uh, Michigan the day before a tough three setter, he came out and proved himself um, there you know, and Ryder's just a gamer. I mean, that's a kid who, when the when it comes down to going to play, I mean, he's ready to he's ready to go. I think again, he proved it in that third set. You know, can against your Michigan Wolverines, <laughs> um, and you know, he did it a few times. I mean, he was he was going to win that match when we put he was playing cash at Ohio State. He was ready to you know he was up a break in the third at that point, and I mean, those guys showed so much maturity early on in a season. You know, I was like, man, where can we go from this, you know, later on down the road? And, but, and just like it, you know, with that being said, if any of those guys can't go, and in a year like this year, when COVID could hit and any of your guys could be out at any moment, it's nice to have like, you know, Bradley Fry ready to go or Jake Sands or Lodowick or all these guys are going to be able to fill in and be ready to play in this lineup. You know, you know, if that's what we were looking at last year and that's what we have this year. I mean, I don't see any differences in our, you know, obviously Brandon Holt's gone, but, you know, these guys are a year mature and, you know, they want their time. It's their time to shine, too. I'm really glad to hear you say uh, Stefan is a guy to circle as one to jump. I think he's a guy who, the, I agree with you, you watch him, at, you see his game, you see the ball explode off his strings. I feel like he is a guy who, with all due respect to Moore, to Riley, to Cookerman, he's a guy who could play number one at so many schools. Like, I do think he's a guy who could make a big jump. And, uh, yeah, would it shock you to see him sneak into that top three this year? No, nothing would surprise me with that kid. He's competitive level. Like, I won't put too many people on the on the pedestal of, like, Steve Johnson regarding, like, obviously his level. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But, like, in terms of his competitiveness, I haven't seen too many kids like him. That's that lighthearted. But, like, when it comes to wanting to compete in everything, he's he's ready to go every time. It could be tiddlywinks and, you know, mini tennis. You know, it doesn't matter. He wants to win. Yeah, so, so Coach, I think one, one of my favorite uh, parts of our pod last year 
was when uh, when you turned it around on me and he and said, "Okay, you give me the lineup." So I'm not even going to wait for the invitation <laughs> this year, and and we're going to see how it. we're going to see how close we come to the lineup that gets submitted for indoors. So you are you, you going to do? This? I want one for indoors, and I want yours for that the end of the year. Okay, so so indoors. I mean, okay, obviously Kukerman's one. Indoors, I want to put. I'll say even though I don't, I don't think it's outdoors lineup. Indoors, Riley two, Moore three, Destonich four, Ryder five, and I don't know how Sands looks yet. I think it's too early for you to put the freshman in day one, so I'm going to say Bradley Fry six. Okay. I like. Give me the outdoors, Chris. Like. Out outdoors, Moore is two. Oh, Riley's disagree. Three. It's going to go Dostinich two. Sorry, that's where I'm jumping in there. But go on. R- <laughs> Riley three, Dostinich still four, uh, and then oof, yeah, I don't, five and six to me is just the. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with the same, at, and say in Ryder five and and Bradley six, but I don't really know. I mean, anything could happen there. Yeah, you're. I mean, again, you're, you're. You can't go wrong. You might piss off a few of the guys on my team right now, but they'll end up listening to this. So that's why I'm going to stay quiet. Yeah, um, yeah. You're not going to get any response from me right now of any kind. Yeah. Not even. So we had. Uh, I, who was it? Was it TCU? I don't even remember the coaches at this point. Oh no, no, no! It was Kyle Spencer who said, "Yeah, look, you guys can pencil in Alexis Glarno at number one singles." He's like, "I don't feel bad giving that one away." Uh, it's, is it crazy for us to pencil in Kooky Monster at one just to start the season, given how good he was last year, given how good he has been nationally across the college tennis scene? If if you think you're going to have to come and wrestle that pencil away from me if I'm not putting anything other than Daniel Kukerman at one because he he might go back to Israel and like get his gun and shoot me if case. Uh, that boy has been waiting for that spot for a long time I think everybody on the team knows it you know someone's gonna have to really come in and prove themselves otherwise if that's yeah that- so we have a slight inkling. We can pencil him in at number one singles. And uh, this is something we've talked about as well with so many of these coaches is the idea of the doubles lineup is, you know, continuity in doubles, having teams you can turn to uh, early in the season because of the lack of practice time. That's going to be important. And again, I know you still have a lot of practice time to work things out, but do you feel similarly that early on it's going to be about, you know, having teams that have experience with one another? Sorry, boys. Can we repeat that? I think I went through a rough patch a little bit there. Yeah, no, no problem. It's more just in terms of the doubles lineup, the the continuity. How important is that going to be having teams that have played together before? Yeah, that's a a tough one. Um, You know, I think last year we we had a lot of mix and matching going on already in our You know, at the beginning of the year, we wrestled with that. You know, should we put Daniel and we put Riley with different players and make us stronger through the three? But, you know, I think they they made themselves such a – I mean, they could be easily the number one double team in the country at the start of this year. I don't know what other teams are – I can't remember who's coming back that's together, but they have to be in the top three. Um, 
And I think winning that match against UNC, you know, kind of proved that they can play there. Um, and Chris and I joked all the time, like he wanted to split them up. I wanted to keep them there. I mean, if you can get that half a point, then you just got to figure out the other two, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you, if you know you're going to be guaranteed that half a point majority of the time. So I don't know. That's always a tough situation. We're just going to have to come back and see, you know, we haven't had any doubles, obviously, this uh, this fall of any kind. No, nobody's really playing f doubles in any tournaments anywhere. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a wait and see. And and when we get them back here in, in January, everybody together, what we uh, what we can come up with. So your guess is as good as mine. Maybe <laughs> maybe Chris, you can you can give me the lineup. <laughs> it's it's Riley 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 and Riley Riley. <laughs> <laughs> no, put Quinta at three doubles with Riley too. Just go yeah. Riley 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 Quinta. <laughs> yeah, I just take the serve. That's it. I, even I could play with Riley. Uh, <laughs> Indoors especially too, right, what, Chris? I guess. <laughs> Yeah. One one of the other changes that the, that we haven't talked about, obviously, that just uh, you know just hit Twitter not too long ago. There is is a change in the coaching staff. So you're bringing bringing former Trojan uh, and standout Ray Sarmiento into the to the staff this year. What uh, have you had? Has he been there for practices already? Or is that kind of an announcement after the fact sort of thing, or is it just really just happened? No, it it, it was funny. I. We, we lost Deaton, uh, like he kind of just said, you know, coach, I got to, it's been four years, I need to move along. And I didn't disagree with him. Like, you know, things have to progress in your life eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I was sitting, I sat all summer over this and I was, you know, interviewing some guys and thinking of some people that really wanted to get into the game. And when I first got the job, I remember sitting with Ray uh, at dinner once and he, you know, told me that at any time he would really like to, you know, maybe be a part of the Trojans. And I was sitting there going back and forth with Chris, like, who should we hire? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to Ray because Ray's still playing a little bit. It's a pre, it's a COVID year. He might not have as much opportunity to go out and play as much. And he'll want to, you know, be around the guys and practice. This could be perfect. And I, I went and him and I went and played golf because we had been talking about playing golf for a while. And by the turn after the ninth hole, I'd already sold him on it. And he agreed to come on and be, be a part of the staff. So um, I guess that was my – I wish I could recruit that way <laughs> within a two-hour period to get the guy already to commit. But, um, you know, he, he's he been here the last two weeks. He's been awesome. I mean, his experience of being a Trojan, for one, is just far by none, like the biggest asset we have. I mean, a five-time All-American, a three-time national champion, on your courts every day. I mean, I should just go sit on the sideline, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know <laughs> – he's so decorated i mean he's a top 300 player in the world and you know he can just have and, and he's just still a killer tennis player and he you know he goes out there he can beat anybody on our team and these guys respect that you know the daylights out of him and i just it's just awesome and it's you know invaluable what we have and priceless to have him with our staff is he the closest any other person has come to replicating roger federer's forehand any of his movement. I mean, the guy <laughs> athletically is serve. Everything looks like him. Look, mm -hmm. I've recruited, I've recruited the kids since he was 12 years old. <laughs> so I wasn't going to get him to USD. I wasn't going to get him to Texas tech or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I remember watching the kid at sectionals. I was like, okay, this kid's going to be a Trojan someday, no matter what. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
sure enough, there he was. I think Roditi tried to sneak him to TCU, but he didn't have a fighting chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so let's shift now then to the to the outlook on on the season and and first the conference. So uh, clearly, you come in, you know, indoor national champs, number one ranked team in the country. You're the favorite in in obviously both nationally and Pac-12, but in in the in the conference. There's a big upgrade right up up north at Stanford where they bring in a couple guys and Arthur Ferry and Tristan Boyer with you know what's what was arguably arguably the top recruiting class in the country, uh, you know what are so so there that's obviously some stiff competition and then you're going to get what you always get out of UCLA. What what's the uh, what's your take on how the conference looks this year? I mean it's just it's getting better and better. I mean look we're there's a reason why we have, what is it? We have close to like, is it 50 national, over 55 national championships in our conference alone, maybe 60. I mean, it's, it's, it's where the power of, you know, college tennis is historically. So a lot of kids want to be here. So it's always tough, no matter how good you are, it's always tough to win the PAC 12. Um, and you know, many years, these, these rivalry matches against USC, UCLA, you know, you've had teams that have been far greater you know, in terms of talent and you go out and play that match and, you know, you got to put all rankings aside at that point. So, you know, always going to play UCLA is super tough because it's just the emotional expense it takes on your body. You know, Stanford, obviously getting those boys on their team just makes them super deep. And, you know, you could possibly, if, you know, build their lineup, you could have, you know, um, Sangeet instead of playing three last year, he's playing five or six this year. I mean, that's tough. You know, you got, you know, Timmy saw all those guys maybe fighting to get in the lineup now, as opposed to being like, again, in the middle of the lineup. And you just got a, a group up there at the top. That's, you know, super talented. So definitely Stanford's, you know, and, and UCLA are, I would say, you know, if you're looking at, at it from the outside right now, they're the, they're the top two there, you know, with us, but you know, you've got great teams in Cal. I mean, what Clancy's doing at Arizona is incredible. I mean, I don't think their 38 ranking is justifiable. They're definitely better than that. You know, Matt Hill, if they would have maybe had a little bit longer year last year, they probably would definitely be ranked higher than they were, you know, and, you know, playing those teams like in the pack Northwest and Utah's those, all those teams, we're, we're all top 50, 75 teams. So you got to be ready to go every single day when you, when you, uh, when you, when you play in the pack 12, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, Arizona. We actually had them above you in our initial Crack Rackets preseason poll, but then we decided just quickly to uh, – we were like, oh, we'll flip that. We'll put USC, I guess, above Arizona. But, no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You look at the conference, it's stacked this season, and just broader, uh, even beyond that, I mean – Look, I've said it before. We we really have a cluster of five schools, and I'm just going to name them now. Spoiler alert, but it's you guys. It's Wake Forest, Baylor, uh, UNC, and Ohio State. What you know, legitimately, all all five of your schools could host probably. Oh, I don't know. You know, you could you could host two teams, right? Your B team's probably still a top 25 school. If you divide up more Daniel, Stefan, Riley, and make two teams around that, it's still uh, an incredible program. And you've been around college tennis now for over 15 years. I'm just curious what you think of this season, the talent across the country and what it, you know, what it says about the current state of college tennis. Yeah, I mean, definitely you have some programs that are, you know, if we would have had Brandon Holt back, maybe you would have said we were number one. I don't know. <laughs> I would have. I would have. 
Okay, there you go. Well, yeah, it's just, look, everybody's gotten, had their benefit of, of COVID here with guys coming back and playing next year. We definitely did with getting Riley Smith, you know, to be, to stay on the program and, you know, all these other, and all these other guys getting another year of eligibility, you know, down the road, we'll see how that comes to fruition, you know, but like, honestly, I really think this year is going to be just like you're seeing in college football and basketball is how are teams going to manage themselves when a player is not eligible to play? You know, you're going to have some funky results, I think. And until we get to the later part of the year in April and May, when maybe like COVID's a little bit on the wayside and we are all healthy and we can get through this, hopefully, you know, um, you know, that's when it's going to be interesting to see where teams are at. I mean, right now, early on in the season, I mean, again, you could have – you go to national indoors and you could have four guys in a lineup out of – you know, out. And that's not out of the out of the question. I mean, that could be us too, right? I mean, we had 12,000, almost 13,000 positive tests yesterday in L.A. County alone. I mean, are you kidding me? That's like – we're like at one in every 20 people right now of testing positive in L.A. So, you know, be that as it may, again – you got Baylor that has probably three rosters on their one roster. <laughs> you got, you know, a talented Wake Forest team that's picked up a couple great recruits, you know, and uh, and didn't lose anybody. You get UNC with, you know, again, another all-star team. It's just going to be a fun college season. I, I think it just really does lie to who can, you know, withstand some pre-COVID things or COVID things and see how things uh, go after that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it is awesome. I'm curious for you uh, to talk about some of the uh, COVID-related ways this uh, that college tennis has been impacted in terms of recruiting, uh, in terms of just lining everything up. Because you talk about the extra year of eligibility, it you know at the time it was hard to feel anything but sympathy for the athletes who had their seasons ripped away, right? And the the idea of the NCAA affording them an extra year of eligibility, I think as fans we can all be in favor of that. But I imagine from a coaching perspective, it has made things a little bit difficult, whether it's plotting out how much scholarship money you guys have left or just how many roster spots you have available. I'm curious how uh, that's impacted your program these past few months. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I mean, luckily enough, we've, we were doing a good job and being ahead of the game with like the 2021 Mm -hmm. class. And, you know, it's definitely at through the, I would say 22, 23, 24 classes when you have the guys that are on our team now deciding if they want to stay for a fifth year or, you know, not, that's where you're going to have those tricky conversations with coaches. And, you know, our administration has been very helpful in that and they support us in everything that we're doing. So I think down the road, they're going to, again, be on our side to whatever decisions we need to make, we'll make and they'll support us. But I mean, it's good for these kids. I mean, look, some of these kids are getting a great deal out of this that are in school now. They're going to get an undergrad and maybe a postgrad degree for, you know, virtually free, some of them, and a few, like, you know, at a discounted rate. And typically they would never take that opportunity. Again, like a Riley Smith is getting, you know, something that he probably never thought he would ever do. Um, so that's that's awesome, um, you know. And But at the same time, like, if I was a voting per- like. Initially, I was I would wanted it, but if you were to go back now, I probably would have said it would have been better off if the kids would have just everybody moved along, everybody would have just kept going. Because again, a lot of these kids on this 2021 class, they're not they're getting unseen in terms of recruiting, being recruited. 
they're getting recruited over the top of some guys that are seniors in high or college right now that are going to go and get a grad degree. Because if I was, a, if I'm a coach at some of these schools, I'm going to go and take a kid that, you know, is top 125 in the country over maybe a freshman that, you know, isn't necessarily proven yet. And I guess that's a question as you, for you as a coach, do you want somebody that's going to be there for you long-term for four years? Or are you going to want someone that's going to maybe make you good for one year? Yeah. And you, you bring that up and I, I haven't asked any of the other coaches this, but, but I've, I've had one thought and, and I feel like we've set the precedent now that because of this and we granted everybody the extra year, if, and nobody wants to see this happen, but if the same thing were to happen again this year, right. And we broke out and the season got canceled. I feel like they would have to say, well, we did it once. We got to do it again. And now you got, two years worth of recruits being impacted and six year guys on the team. And now you really have, uh, you know, a couple years worth of kids coming out of high school that feel like they're really getting the shaft. Don't you? You, you yeah. guys don't know this. The NCAA is actually just really wants Kyle Selig to qualify for AARP. They're like, he can stay in until he reaches there. Sorry, Kyle. I love you, Kyle, but it, it was right there for me. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I don't see that happening. They're going to make something happen one way or the other, in my opinion. But also, I just don't the, – the NCAA can't afford that. At some point, you got to cut your losses, right? And you got to say everybody's got to move on a little bit. And, I mean, also financially, you just can't afford to do it at these schools. I mean, we're already being hit hard with budgets and things like that. And on top of it, we're spending more money than we typically would in a year because of testing, because of all these different types of things we're having to do for COVID. So, you know, it's, I, I can't, I couldn't see that. Uh, you know, it'd be unfortunate for some of these kids to, to lose that year, but you got to move along at some point. Mm-hmm. No, completely understand. And with that in mind, I, I wanted to ask you one more serious question because I know how close you are with Ross Wilson at Iowa. I know, uh, you know, he is a friend of yours and obviously you see a program like Iowa, which reached top 20 status for the first time in program history last season or a program like Minnesota that was one of the premier Big Ten programs of the 1980s, 1990s, and both of those programs discontinued. And you talk about the financial impact of COVID on so many of these athletic departments uh you know i'm just curious what your reaction has been to these last nine months in college tennis and just what you're feeling about the current state of the sport yeah i mean it's it's really sad you know i just i personally have you know a close affiliation with a, a school that my dad coached basketball at and they're fighting to keep their athletic program uh, alive right now uh, where I'm at here in Southern California. And, you know, for, if that program were to go away, like it would, that's like a part of my life, you know? So those things are tough for sure. Um, you know, Ross, like you said, is, was one of my, was one of my assistants for a year at USD. So I stay close with him and, you know, that affects, that affects you, your family. I mean, luckily he doesn't have like kids like I would, like that are 14 and 12 years old, if I had to move them and not have a job, I mean, luckily has a wife that can support them as well. And they can hopefully find, and he's young enough where he can go and find another opportunity. But, you know, you got to think about all these kids that have put their, their, you know, their time and effort into that university and for them to just have it taken away. That's, that's difficult, like emotionally for them. I feel for those, for the student athletes as well. Um, 
you know, you, you wish you could have, you know, circumstances be different, but it's just, I, there's no other way to put it other than it's just sad and it's, it's difficult to hear. And you, you wish that, you know, things would be, would be different, but you know, part of it, it's on us as coaches, we got to show that, you know, we're something of, um, significance i mean i never think in a million years it could happen at a school like here at usc so i feel safe but never say never we got to do our job and i always take coach gould's advice he always said the best thing you can do for your program is get them endowed Mm -hmm. and you do the best that you can to get your scholarships endowed you get your positions endowed so no one could take that away from you at the end of the day Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And yeah, you you know, now more than ever, if you're a fan listening to this, go support your local college tennis teams. I mean, if Coach Brett Macy is going to watch a UCLA-UCF match at the campus of UCLA, certainly you can go watch a college tennis match that's not your home school as well. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Now more than ever is the time to support college tennis programs. All right, one last thing we want to do with you, Coach. It's something we have brought back here on our Coaches Contenders interview, uh, College Contenders interviews and it's you know uh, there's a lot of change going on right now in college tennis and so uh, obviously in that spirit we here at Cracked Rackets have some proposed changes we would like to throw out there for the college tennis world as well some of them a bit on the more radical side some of them I think you might actually agree with but I wanted to run them through uh, run through them with you at the end here coach that sound good well first I I, I thought like I'd like to do something different I've been like I said I've listened all these coaches cast and i think they're getting a little redundant in all in all honesty so i i've i've done my own little coors light six pack and i'd like to do a little you know run by with you here and see what um what you have for us oh you can answer these questions okay and then you can ask me whatever you want after I'm all in. I'm 100% all in. And I know I cut Chris off there. I'm sorry, Chris, if you have anything thrown in there as well. But look, I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. As long as it's not asking me. Yeah, as long as it's not asking me things I've predicted in the past because I've predicted everything. Nor will he remember anything. So, yeah. No, no, this is all. Let's hear him, Coach Macy. Oh, All right, I'm, I'm gonna throw some out. softballs. At, I'm gonna throw you some softballs at you first, okay? Okay. Question number one: Who did you vote for, Biden, Trump, or Kanye West? <laughs> this one I can answer wholeheartedly, easily, and with pride. I vote for winners only. That's why I voted for Michigan. That's why I voted for UNC, and that's why I voted for Joe Biden. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> We're going to keep politics out of this, but I just had to ask that question. All right. What's your mask preference, gator or surgical? This is a two-parter. What's your mask preference, a gator or a surgical mask? Uh, Well, I mean, we're doing this on Zoom. You can see my eyebrows. I think they pop most with a surgical mask. I just think it does really good for my bone structure. Um, But I'll I'll wear whatever mask. I'm pro-mask. I voted for Joe Biden. Okay, so are you all time on, partially on, or don't wear it? Uh, when I will wear it, any okay, I'll be honest with our listeners. Gosh, this is wonderful. I love this segment, <laughs> coaches. If you listen to this, thank you so much. Um, this I would say, 
I don't, I should wear it when I run around the neighborhood. I don't. That's the one thing I, I probably should be doing. But other than that, I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to work at home, right? I'm doing this in our Crack Rackets garage. So like, you know, no one wants to come near me anyways. They're like, stay away. So fortunately, I, okay. whenever I'm in public, it's on whenever, except for, I guess, when I'm running around. Okay. So, all right. That's, that's good. The next, the next question is this. I always hear you talk about could you play with somebody in the 1980s and run around and run a set? Like, all this jazz about that. We we proposed a question yesterday about if Raymond Sarmiento would win, like, the 1990 or 1985 Wimbledon or U.S. Open. I say he would. I think his level at, yes. at his prime, okay? But could Alex Gruskin win around in the 1958 Wimbledon? Do I get to? Okay. So this is with an current technology. Yeah, that's current, yeah. so yes, current technology. Like you're at your best. You're at your peak. You're at your prime. Could you win the 19 around the 1958 Wimbledon? Oh, so 1958 would have been a good year for me. That's the Eisenhower administration, uh, military industrial complex. Obviously, I'm a man of the military industry, so I would have been thriving. Um, yes, I. So at Wimbledon. I mean, I have a modern racket. I have gut in my strings. They're like, they're like, what the hell? They're like, is that a two-handed backhand? Are you serious? And I'm like, wait until you see. There's just going to be this guy named Bjorn Borg, and he's going to do some things at the baseline. And you're going to be like, you can't do that at the baseline. Is this witchcraft? And I'm going to perform that witchcraft <laughs> on you right now. They're going to be like, is that a kick serve? You can't hit kick serves. And I'm gonna be like, I can hit kick serves. Um... So I say yes. I mean, if I'm playing Pancho Gonzalez, like probably not. If I'm playing, you know, honestly, no. Yes, I can. You're playing in a freaking jeans. I'm like you. If I lose to a man in khakis, I need to hang it up. Um, Now, if you give that 1950s person three days to hit with the Prince Graphite, I will be bringing back with me in the time machine. They'll kick my ass. But if they don't, they'll be like... I say yes, but I could. I mean, I've asked this question to others as well, and they've laughed me out of the room. Um, I say yes. I don't think Chris could. I mean, Chris, you were alive in '57. You could have competed anyways, <laughs> and you, you obviously weren't there. So, no. I, what do you think, Coach? There is zero chance Gruskin wins a match. In I'm really good. There no. we go. <laughs> zero chance because you know what? He he's got gut. He's got new rackets. And those guys in 58 would turn it into a pickleball dink game at the net. And Gruskin would never get there. It's over. Problem. My hips do lie. Shakira was wrong. So, like, (laughs) that is an issue for me. Um, But, look. Oh, f*** it. I'll say it anyways. Um, Look, I'm just saying, me and Max Rothman, when we were, so 2017, my senior year, I was still in very good shape at that point. And we could ball. I'm not saying we would have beaten Carter Lynn and Davis Crocker, but I'm not saying we would have lost to them badly in practice sets either. We hit with them a little bit in practice, and we could hold our own. I mean, the problem is my serve's a wounded duck, but, like, you put me and Smith at three doubles this year, Coach, You're not. it's not a guaranteed loss. I mean, it's a loss, but it's not a, you know, we play, we play the right team on the wrong day. Who knows? That's a pro-am match. You're getting every ball. <laughs> Exactly. The thing that always shocks, I'll make the backhand return. The problem is Riley's going to be like, dude, we're playing two back on your serve. And I'm going to be like, come on. And he's going to be like, no. He's going to be like, I'm not standing here. 
All right. Well, we gotta we gotta reach the last three of the six pack here. So, are you with that said? Are you making the 1957 national championship team at Michigan? So I I don't think Victor Maya is that old. I'm pretty sure he came a little bit after that. But I, I knew Victor a little bit growing up, and he would have kicked my ass when he was 50 and I was 16. So like I'm imagining him at 18, which kind of goes against the Wimbledon theory. So I'm going to double down here and say, yes, I would. (laughs) Um, I would be, I would be the Connor Johnston of that Michigan team. If that makes sense, coach, I would be the one who, uh, you know, who's hitting swinging backhand volleys and who is having the opponent stare at his coach and be like, what's going on here? I think, Coach, I think that was secretly, I can't believe he didn't follow it up, but you, that was secretly, <laughs> every one of his responses has had a little dig at you, and I can't believe more bullets didn't come <laughs> up in that response. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Would, Why do you think I have... would pull him outdoors and beat him two and two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, I also, uh, would I make the lineup in 57? In 57, no. they're, like, hitting continental grips. They're like, I'm sorry. is they'd, they'd see my forehand grip, and they'd be like, you're a communist, aren't you? And I'd be like, no, I just, like, I watched other – I watched Andre Agassi. <laughs> like, I, I've learned some things. Um, so I don't know. But, yeah, I like the being cocky. You, this is great. The fact that you have doubt makes me wonder that you that you don't – you doubt your tennis game. Like, you can't – you can't have doubt. It's a, either a yes or a no. <laughs> okay. I have no doubt. The question is, how big of an asshole do I want to come off as? And the question is, <laughs> I'm trying to balance that this whole time. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Yeah, I'd make that line up. We'd be just fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, this comes to question number five. Okay. What college tennis player, historically, do you idolize the most? Is it <sighs> Somdev as a freshman? Somdev as a sophomore, Somdev as a junior, or Somdev as a senior? So this is a trick question because the answer is Alex Damajan as a freshman. Alex Damajan or or Mitchell Frank. Those are the two best freshmen I've ever seen play college tennis. I mean, you saw Damajan as a freshman. He's 6'7". He was like 200 pounds then so skinny. And he could just – the way he moved, the way he could strike the ball, to me – I just remember the most wrong I've ever been is watching him as a freshman and thinking that guy will be top 100 by the end of, you know, 2017. And like, he just didn't go pro because that to me, that's probably the one. And then Samdev 2, Samdev 3, Samdev 4, and Samdev 5. Honorable mention to Miles Challenge, right? Uh, <laughs> The honorable mention actually goes to Michael Shabazz. I've watched him play Blaz Rolla in that 2011 NCAA semifinal. I could tell you every shot of the rally on match point and how, you know, Rolla misses the backhand in the net. I could tell you the celebration. Yeah, that's the secret one. (laughs) All right, last question here. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, Brandon Holt is last on that list. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we noticed they were all who's. We all yeah. got that. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll name off the, the any roster of of the last twenty years from. Oh, dude! That, but, but... I got ten minutes on Drew Courtney in me. If you want it, why? <laughs> if Drew Courtney plays in that twenty eleven final, it's a different ball game. Or if he doesn't have a broken yeah. foot. <laughs> all right. So here's number six, and this probably answers the question. Then with the who's, 
what coach do you idolize or brown nose the most? <laughs> or what, what coach would you wash their feet? Steinberg, Boland, Ty Tucker, or David Roditi? Oh, I noticed much like us in our Cracked Rackets preseason poll, you did not include yourself. Uh, I think others would probably have included you. I don't make the list. I'm outside the top four. So So here's the thing. I avoid texting Coach Steinberg because I feel like he knows me. He was like, I saw you as a drunk college kid. I know things about you none of these other coaches know. And so it's like, that's a good point. I got to be careful about that. So I don't want to abuse that relationship. Uh, plus, I'm hoping someday they'll name Court 6 after me. So, you know, got to keep that theory in check. One of the names you mentioned is out for reasons that don't need to be spoken. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I'll put it to you like this. Someone asked me the other day if Michigan football was under 500 for the next 20 years, but Michigan tennis won three national championships during those 20 years. Would you be okay with it? And I didn't even wait. There was no hesitation. The answer was an unequivocal yes. Uh, So, I mean, uh, I'm going to go with Coach Denton because I think he needs his feet washed the most. So that's my answer. That would be a community service for everyone. Um, No, I don't know. That. I, the answer is all of them. I'd be like, I've got a free two hours lineup. Like, let's go. <laughs> Down, Chris. He uh, copped out. Come on, man. Answer the question. What else is new, coach? I mean, uh, no, the, these millennials, they don't own up to yeah. anything. All right, fine. The answer's, the answer's Billy Martin because he hasn't been on the show. It's like, come on, Billy. Uh, come on the show. On oh, you're not touching those feet, dude. There's no chance. <laughs> Oh, that was great, though. I appreciate that, Coach. I, I might cut that, and that just might be the pod. We might. No one needs to know about the Trojans in 2021. That's that's everything we're looking for. Um. All right. On that note, then I'm gonna throw some fun ones now your way, because uh, I know I'm sure you have heard some of these questions over the years, but uh, maybe some of them will throw you for a loop. So let's start here. Uh, it's a serious one. All individuals in the fall. All team stuff in the spring. Am I for it? Yeah, for or against? Um, the way, I mean, that's what it is now, right? Oh, you mean individual championships? Yes, yeah, individual yeah, yeah. championships. Uh, no. Move the NCAs to the U.S. Open. Make that like an opening weekend kickoff, a really nice broadcast for college tennis. Now, that would be pretty sweet. I like that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. It's a work in progress. I wanted to bring it up at the coaches' convention. I asked for an hour for this, and Tim Russell was like, no. He's like, yeah, you'll, you'll understand why when you uh, hear some of these later decisions. Uh, all right, I call this the Chris Halioris rule, lawless lineups. So it's to promote, uh, to give home teams advantage, to promote parity. The away team has to submit their lineup in advance. The home team can match up however they'd like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're 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 literally asking for like a brouhaha, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Can you? But you still have to go within order, right? So NCAA's it's serious lineups, but it, no. So you can you're going one. Let's say you submit your normal one through six, and then you go to say Arizona, and Arizona's like, ooh, we're probably not going to win one, no matter what. We're not probably not going to win two, no matter what. We're going to stack it elsewhere. Okay, but I have to put my legit lineup if I'm I, – I, I can't put Daniel Kukerman at six. You can no. if you're the home coach, not the away. Oh, uh, that's no fun. 
Yeah. You could get some. You could get really interesting if you're like the guest and just submit your lineup ahead of time and just like start putting them everywhere. You know. Yeah. That would yeah. Be a good wrinkle there. No, I agree. Yeah, the problem is there's probably a lot of blowouts in that scenario, right? It's like there's a couple yeah. 6-0 matches here and there, but maybe it probably comes down to 3 all. All right, here's another one for you that I think you're going to be in favor of. Uh, in lieu of the coin flip, because I think the coin flip could be so much more creative, at the beginning of every match, you have the assistant and head, or you have either the assistant and head coach from the opposing teams play one point drop and hit rally. Whoever wins the point gets to decide who serves first on all of the courts. Oh yeah, that's that's a given. We'd win a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's and way. Just put Ray out there. I mean, Ray will win every one. Yeah, the problem is a lot of head coaches say if I can play my assistants, I'm in. If I can play me, uh, absolutely not. But I just want to see what Tucker would go with. Like, what is his drop and hit feat? Is it like a slice drop and hit? You know he'd be gaming it. Uh, that would be half the fun. Oh. I want to see which coach hooks. Like, that would be for me. Yeah, <laughs> that would be enjoyable as well. All of these different things. Um, all right, a couple more for you down the home stretch. Uh at the end of a match, you know, sometimes, and it really depends on your facility, but sometimes you'll have a guy on court one, sometimes you'll have a guy on court six, and as a fan, uh, that really sucks. So I know there's something to court continuity, but once there are, you know, three, two matches left, at the first available changeovers, you have the uh, the two courts move to play next to each other. That way the fans, the coaches, the teams can all congregate in one location at the end of a match. Uh, I would say no, and uh, Brad Dancer would say no to that, but especially back in the day. You know, you had those slanted courts that they had. <laughs> you know, was it Ryan Rowe? He'd be slicing that serve on that middle court out into the stands. Yeah, I, that's a t- that, that would be a no. Just because I know the fans want to be closer together, but it's just you know every court's different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. For yeah, for me it would be. Yeah, having the having the courts next to each other. It's really on indoor facilities when there's like three on one side, three on the other. You have to shift yeah. back and forth. That's such a pain. When it's when it's six across, it's not that bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Even, even as the coach there, discounting the fact that your players are probably the ones that don't want to move. As the coach, like when we were at, at uh, Madison last year, and you have the split sides, would are are you? would you prefer so that you had the two guys on the same side in the final two matches? Or are you fine with, Hey, I'm on one side uh, and Chris is on the other and, you know, and, and that's good. Or would you kind of like being able to see them both at the same time? No, I mean, as a head coach, you want, you want to see everything that's going on. I, I definitely have that feeling at times, but look, we, when we have three coaches, I'll be honest, you got to focus on what you're dealing with. If you try to get caught up in all six and you can't deal with what's going on, it actually was better that, Kuki was over there in that Michigan match playing Styler, and we were over on court six. Me and Deaton were on, you know, finishing off on court six, and we could just focus on Ryder that entire time. Because then we, you know, we obviously could hear it, but we just needed to focus on getting Ryder through the finish line, and then we could go over to watch Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, well, with that, in, in that spirit, my final question oh. for you uh, would be. They should allow noise again in between serves. I want the onits. I want the yelling. I want the mayhem because some of those matches in, you know, again, 2014, 2015, uh, probably, you know, I've, 
I suppose there were some things flowing in my blood at these college tennis matches that don't anymore uh, when I am at these things. But that, to me, those environments in Ann Arbor, I mean, I watched us, the team of Alex Patron and Sean Bernstein, who were fine, but they weren't anything special. I watched them steal a doubles point from Ohio State, and it was literally because the crowd was nuts. And so I know there's something, you know, you don't want people getting mean, but, you know, unleash the crowd. Let the crowd be the crowd. Yeah, I was. I would. I would agree with that. If the crowd is being a, a crowd and, and being uh, without any profanity and anything that derogatory towards a, a player, and just keep the the student athletes separated, because that's what got got it nixed. I think is the student athletes got involved too much, mm-hmm. and we just got to keep them separate. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm for that. I think we need to have better fan environment. Look, I want to have. A, Chris wants to have a DJ here during our matches. So, you know. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's just he's trying to knock two birds out with one stone. He's like, let me just get the DJ here. Let me get the tennis here. Then I don't have to go anywhere else. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, no, I mean, again, Coach, uh, as always, uh, God, I'm I'm still in – I'm not, all I've been thinking about is, God, what would be my game plan on grass at the 1957 Wimbledon final? I'm like, what would I do to combat the fact that I really can't bend down and hit a slice? I'm like, do I just, do I hit drop? Like, uh, Anyways, this, that, it was absolutely delightful, uh, as always, to have you on the show. We are so appreciative of your time, and we are wishing you, uh, your Trojans, we hope you all stay safe, stay healthy. And despite what you may think, we are wishing you guys a ton of success uh, this next season. No, all joking aside, I know you guys are. I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. We just need we need to just keep pushing forward with guys like you to promote our sport and, you know, be involved as, as you can. Like you said last year, you were going to come out and watch our UCLA match. If we can get to that point, love to have you both out, you know, telecast the match, pr- you know, pump up the crowd. Well, we won't have a crowd, but yeah. – I'll <laughs> DJ the, that. Fan- yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, get some you know, just get the fans engaged online or whatever and you know anytime we'd love to have yeah i really appreciate that coach well as always uh thank you so much for taking the time hope you stay safe stay healthy and uh as always fight on take care coach Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with USC head coach Brett Macy. A shout out to coach as always for taking the time to chat. He always, uh, his enthusiasm, you know, comes so enthusiastically onto the show. His enthusiasm, his candidness, his willingness to have fun with Chris and I. It's why we bring him on the show so frequently. It's why we like to, you know, poke fun with him uh, on our various podcasts. It's because uh, he is truly a friend of the program. So again, a thank you to him for taking the time to chat. I know he's not happy with his number five ranking but hey if we can provide bulletin board material for him and the program I suppose we're doing our job here at Cracked Rackets and of course we are wishing him and his team health success safety throughout the 2021 season and by the way you know we haven't just spoken with Coach Mace we've had the chance to speak with so many great coaches thus far I can go from top to bottom we've spoken with number 11 Georgia's Manny Diaz number 10 Michigan's Adam Steinberg number 9 Florida's Brian Shelton number 8 Stanford's Paul Goldstein first time appearance for 
four, Coach Goldstein. Number seven, Texas A&M, Steve Denton's first appearance. Of course, we had TCU's David Rodidi last week here. Now USC's Brett Macy. And folks, we're about to hit our top four schools. And maybe some of you have gamed it out like it's an ITA kickoff weekend draft. You can picture in your mind the schools that are coming. We are excited to have those conversations, some of them already in the queue. So, of course, be on the lookout for all of that. If you have missed any of our College Contenders content, you can find it on the website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, on the Great Shot podcast, Chris Hallioris, Matt, and I give our thoughts on all of these teams. Matt also writing about all of these teams for the website, so be sure to check out all of that content. And, of course, uh, we also are pretty much in off-season mode for the ATP and the WTA. There are some ITF events that Judson Wall and I talked about on Tuesday's mini-break podcast, but, of course, if you want to learn more about what the 2021 season is going to look like, be on the lookout and be sure to check out our mini break podcast, our great shot podcast, and of course, all the content we're putting up on our website, on our YouTube channel. You need those more immediate, up, immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Lehner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out making all of our content possible seriously if you haven't checked out the deciding point if you haven't checked out cross-court chronicles if you haven't checked out vicky duvall's new podcast the sideline check out all of our content on the website crackedrackets.com but with that in mind for our phenomenal guest uh our phenomenal guest chris halliors our phenomenal guest brett macy they're interchangeable to me at this point if you listen to the podcast interview you can tell you know it's a leak street between the two of them who's given who more information only time could tell uh no obviously that's a joke it's chris who's leaking everything to coach macy but on behalf you know again for our wonderful guest Coach Macy, our fantastic co-host, Chris Halliorts, our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.